Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening. This is LeVon Bruin. Thank you for listening to the broadcast tonight. We are in the month of, uh, uh, where we honor and celebrate women's history. So tonight, I have entitled this particular lesson, Spirit-Led Equality Through Divine Entitlements. Divine Entitlements. Let's pray and get into this particular subject. Father, I thank you and praise you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice in our glad. We rejoice because we know the reality of the truth that comes through the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us into that truth. And for that, we're grateful. We give the Holy Spirit free reign to give us our clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as we make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way, do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Father, in everything that shall be accomplished, there will be of you be glorified. What is in the name of Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory? And Jesus, we thank you that today something will be said that will provoke a revolution in your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Spirit led equality through divine entitlement. Two. There's an article written in Corinthians, the 14th chapter. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, for they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. What came the word of God out from you, or did it came unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him according to the that the uh, according. to knowledge, according, or I'm sorry, acknowledge that thing that is written that I write unto you, our commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Occasionally we go to scriptures like that, and we have a proclivity to become narrow-minded and intuitive to the letters written and penned by Paul in particularly. Um, and we get twisted up on the connotation behind what is being communicated. Turn with me also to First Timothy. Hopefully, 
in launching the celebration of women we can um we can perform some scriptural uh, a scriptural revolution on literacy. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, because they reject knowledge. And as a result, the children become ignorant. And we see the fruit of that today, in, especially in the lens of the church, because there has not been an empowerment of literacy. So we have a lot of ignorant philosophies that are parading conscious of many to get them off of the purity of the text in the scripture. And if you create a pretext, it becomes a post-text to say whatever you want it to say. <laughs> in the words of Bishop uh, uh, Gary, uh, Gary Hall, amen, uh, just to plug in for my roots, amen. Uh, but let's go to Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to deal with all these scriptures. I'm going to come back to that. Of course, you know it's not permitted for a woman to speak, right? <laughs> all right, Paul. And then let's go to First Timothy chapter 2. I like the scriptures. Let me say this. I like the scriptures because the scriptures give us a picture, a depiction of the culture of that day. Um, often we are in a delusion because we compare the culture of that day to the culture of this day and expect the same type of perspectives to to really also have not been altered or changed or enhanced. And the truth of the matter, there was a lot that they did not know, they weren't aware of um, in that day that we are aware of today. And so we have to, as a people, learn in, 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 in our context, our Western world philosophy, that the thinking of their generation and their culture was diametrically opposed to the way we consider culture, equality, and living um, in in the lens of Scripture because they didn't live like we live. Um, But there is a need for us to learn how to determine what we appropriate to our living today and if it pertains to um, our conduct, our conviction, and our connection to the things of God. In Second Timothy chapter 2, it says in verse 8, well, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel and shamefacedness and sobriety, not with great embroidered hair or gold pearls or costly arrays, but that which uh, which becometh women, professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp her authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, 
was in transgression, notwithstanding she shall not be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and in charity and holiness with sobriety. Then it goes on to say that um, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. The bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, hospitality after teach. All right. So I'm taking you to 14. I'm taking you to Timothy chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go there. And let's look at, well, I don't have time to read the whole chapter. Let's see. Okay, it's talking about the gifts. Okay. For as the body is one and has many members, all the members of of that of that one body being many are one body. So also Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews, Gentiles, whether we bond or feed, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is dead, is is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, am I not of the body? Is therefore not um is not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not of the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were the eye, where were um where were the hearing? If the whole body was hearing, where were the smelling? Now, but now have God set the members, everyone of them in the body as it as it has pleased him. And if they were all one mem- of all one members were made one body, but now there are many members yet but one body. And it goes on to talk about, you know, um we are the body of Christ, members in particular, God has set some in the church first apostles, prophets, teachers, after that miracles, um then healings, helps, governments, divers um uh, Thousands of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets. No. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. All right, now let's get into this, okay? Let's get into this lesson. Praise the Lord. Spirit and equality. Um, first, I would like to say that all these texts have nothing to do with each other. They're not linked. They're, they're just passages in the scripture that must gain some context in order to be understood. Even in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that we started off in, the, 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 the conversation doesn't begin in verse 33. There are, there are over... Twenty uh, something other verses in that particular chapter that that um, that deal with a whole other uh, a whole other concept. But even in that concept, that is not the context. You have to go back to chapter one and read all the way to chapter fourteen, and then and then see how chapter fourteen plays in the thirteen, thirteen plays in the twelve, 
12 plays into 11, 11 plays into 10, uh, 10 plays into 9, 9 plays into 8, 8 plays into 7, 8, um, 7 plays into 6, 6 plays into 5, 5 plays into 4, 4 plays into 3, 3 plays into 2, 2 plays into 1. Then you got to go back to 14 and find out why 14 wasn't at, at chapter 1 and why wasn't it at chapter 2. And, it, and it's, a, it's a lot of different exercises that must be done in order to truly develop a proper context. A lot of things were put in place. But here things were put in place because there was a zealousness of Christians that were operating in the church without understanding. And there were things taking place going on in the place of worship that was distorting the message of the gospel, which was key for them understanding going on, that uh, uh, could not occur with the, uh, the amount of confusion that was going on in the synagogue. And Paul and them often went into the synagogue because they were accepted as theologians and, and, and devout men that studied the scriptures to provide the revelation that Jesus was the manifest Christ according to the prophecies and according to the history of, the, uh, of, of God and according to the law. But they could not do that because of the amount of confusion and the things that were going on. People selling in the temple, there were people sitting, the women were sitting in the balcony, the men would sit on the floor, and if they uh, were shout out to their husbands to get attention. So there was a lot of things going on while he was speaking. So he was noticing someone in the balcony who happened to be a woman, you know, hollering out to her husband. He said, hold, hold, hold up. This is not the time to ask the question. I'm getting ready to teach. If you're going to ask your husband a question, ask him at home. Okay. And then in, in, in Timothy, of course, Timothy's a man. And, uh, and of course, you don't keep him silent in the church. Of course, well, that, that must have been that particular church because he's dealing also with people over prophesying in that chapter. He's also dealing with people who are not exercising their love. They're not even using um, every gift. Some people are misusing their gifts. They don't have self-control. The demonic activity is going on. People are sleeping with their parents, their in-laws. People do a whole variety of topics in First Corinthians. So to, to make that a case to silence the voice of women and their authority and their quality in life is an insult to the work that this, this apostle was communicating to the church at large. He was not communicating to the church to develop a standard in the practice of worship where women were not involved. Now, in the particular culture that he was dealing with, the Jewish culture, women were not involved, and that's why they were sitting up on the balcony. But in our culture, that's not the case. Um, so keeping silence in the, in the church is not the message or the context of that. And if you don't keep them silent in the church, that means don't have them sing, don't have them work as a secretary, don't have them take the notes, don't have them be a bookkeeper. <laughs> you know, men do everything. And I don't know any churches. There was one church that tried it, and they're destroyed and demolished today. The majority of women that uh, uh uh, women are the majority of those that practice worship and faith in it. So um, uh, nothing wrong with it would be a but we have not mastered because most men don't even go to church. 
And that's just the scripture. <laughs> that's just the reality of the matter. So spirit-led equality is not found in these, these passages, um, is, is what I'm providing. Now, uh, the scripture in, in Timothy, let's go back there. And when it's talking about women and things like that, Timothy is, is already a, a, a pastor, a well-known, popular mega church pastor. That's one of the largest churches that he's pastoring. And, and God is commissioning to do things beyond pastoring, like the work of evangelists and the appointing you know, of elders in every city so that we, everyone can have a pastoral experience. And Paul was actually duplicating some of the qualities in which he was doing because he knew that his earthly ministry was coming to a close. So here in the second chapter, if you're talking to a man, you want to address a man as a man. Not as a woman, okay? And um, because really the, the message is, is for him to, to achieve discipline and to become diligent and to become a determinant of who is worthy to be workers in the ministry that he, that he is entrusted with. He's reminded to reflect on the integrity of his grandmother. He's also reminded... To, to to preserve the work of ministry with worthy or people that are worthy of being called to such position. He's also alerted that there will be false teachers. So in, in this particular text, it's also a cultural um, distinction. He said, look, commit unto Timothy the son uh, 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 um, uh, um, um, thy son Timothy, according to the prophecies which were, went before thee, that thou mayest warm a good warfare, holding faith and having a good conscience, of which some having put away concerning the faith and made made people shipwrecked. Then he goes on and talk about who made people shipwrecked: Hymenaeus and Alexander, who who was given up to the devil that they may learn not to blaspheme, you know. And then he says, look, uh, for, um, I exhort that, first of all, prayer, intercession, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all in authority, that they might lead quiet and peaceable lives, life of godliness and honesty. Now, what people are neglecting is that this is the whole tone that he, he gave to men, that they might live quiet and peaceable lives as well as women, <laughs> that they're being uh, learning silence with all subjection. And because of the cultural distinction, he covered every area um, so because it is good and acceptable in the sight of God and our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So here again, in context, he is not emphasizing Hey, women, shut up and let the men talk. <laughs> but that silence there has nothing to do with uh, being entitled for leadership or anything else. But he said there is there are women that exist in the church that are capable of that are dignifying themselves in modesty and as that are becoming women, professing godliness with good works. So here we see working women, 
um, that are working. Amen. So here, and of course the example, of course, uh, for Adam, let them, uh, and he says, but I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. In other words, if she was to walk with this man and to be married to her own husband, there should not be any conflicts among that particular unity because the house structure, the structure of the home is that man is the head of the woman and, and the, um, the head of the man is Christ and the head of Christ is God. And you can find that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 24, the structure of the home. So here he's, he's dealing with a, a marital situation and it goes and it continues that because he's talking to a, to a man from a man's perspective to empower that man's perspective, this is a true saying. If they desire the work of a bishop, um, they must be hu- husband of one wife. So he's giving he's giving dis- uh, a charge of discipline and devotion, and and also a charge for uh, for um, him to deliberately pick people of honor, whether they be male or female. But in the context, he's addressing a man speaking to a man. About uh, about matters pertaining to the men that he quali- um, that he qualifies to serve with him, and um, the the deacon and the bishop in this context are are the same gift. Um, and I can go into that. Let me say this: in the church we see in the church that we see in the New Testament, the, the first church or the early church. As what theologians would say, we won't we don't see many titles. We see apostolic authority, we see those fivefold ministry, those who are given to the gifts, the prophets, the pastors, the man was um, teacher and and prophet. I believe I said prophet if I didn't, it's one of those gifts in there, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Um uh, we see that there are elders in the church, there are deacons in the church, and there are bishops. But the deacon and the and the and the bishops are synonymous because the bishop was a region leader over the deacons that were placed in the particular church, and that's what this whole that's what the whole context of First Timothy is about. So their their giftings and their roles are virtually the same. They are to assist the apostolic authority so that the apostles can give themselves holy to the word. Word. Now, somehow in time, we have translated bishop into the episcopacy. Culturally, the episcopal, the episcopalian structure of the church um, has a bishop as an authoritative figure, but in the scripture, we don't see that. We don't see a bishop as an authoritative figure. We see them as a subservient figure that is used to uh, assist the apostles in the delivery of the word of God. Dealing with temporal affairs dealing with temporal affairs that have nothing to do with the uh, ministry of the word, okay? Now, they have to be able to teach, just like the bishops had to be able to teach. So when we talk about uh, women being bishops, um, it is uh, subjugated to the, the denominational preference because the particular role of a bishop is not outlined to govern any leadership function in the church. Um, in Scripture, we don't see any examples of bishops being used as authority figures in the Scripture. 
We know that Christ is called the bishop of our soul, which means that he preserves. He's also the author and finisher of our faith. We look unto him. But other than that, we don't see anyone even being used as a title. So what I'm, if it's subjugated to the interpretation of the particular denomination that you go to, it's important that you know that that role, whoever fulfills that role, has a preference as to how they display it. Because in God's sight, that's not a gift that is given from the Spirit to edify, exhort, or to comfort. It's just a role that a person uses in the church to govern their affairs, their temporal affairs. So um, uh, it's important that you learn the history of their denominational background and why they choose to select things. And some people try to make a whole doctrine and emphasize uh, things out of Timothy, but Timothy is not a doctrinal book. It's a discussion between Paul and Timothy to encourage him to make certain that he's already involved in the work of ministry to, to, to remind him of things so he could be stirred to continue. But in nowhere does he say, oh, place a bishop over a church and make them pass on the pastors. That's something that has evolved through time. And Lord knows if that's evolved and it's been qualified by men, then my Lord, it can be qualified by women too. It's all subjective. Um, what I will say is that you need to know these scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 15 to 17 says, no, no man after the flesh. Right, in Galatians chapter 3, 27 to 28, there is no male nor female in Christ, right? And then in the scripture that I went to last, which was First Corinthians chapter 12, that there are many parts in the body, and the body doesn't have the right to determine which one is more valuable or less. We all have differences. But in our differences, there is a unity that comes out of our uh, in the divinity. There's a divine unity that takes, and it has nothing to do about our entitlements or our state of equality. If there are no males or the females in Christ, and Christ is the head of the church, and Christ is not Jesus' last name, but indicative of the power that he possessed, the church is to be established and governed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is synonymous with the word Christ. So Christ being the head of the church means that the church should be spirit-driven, spirit-focused, spirit-formulated, and spiritually, prophetically directed. And if it's going to be spiritually, directly, but, uh, directly, we already know that the natural man cannot obtain the things of God, neither does he know them because they're spiritually deserved. So we look for people that have those qualities of the spirit that have been qualified by the spirit to lead and govern the church, and we follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise, looking to Jesus always as the source and the guide of our supply. Now, in the Bible, we see women leading from the beginning of the book. Look at Miriam or Deborah or Hilda, all prophets, judges, and Israel leadership, leaders in Israel that were pivotal to them receiving uh, direction and deliverance from God. Well, what about Anna, who was a prophet, who prophetically proclaimed the, the, the redemption that would come to Israel through the Lord and Jesus Christ? Or Lydia, Timothy's mother, who was a businesswoman and became a central leader at the Philippian church. Or Priscilla, who was also the first, one of the first apostles 
female apostles in the Bible who helped establish churches at Corinth and in Ephesus um, and corrected Apollo's, pre- uh, uh, Apollo's preaching in the scripture. Or what about Gianus, who was also noted in the Bible as an apostle? Or Phoebe, or, or Phoebe, who was a deacon and helped Paul in the service and the work of the ministry. Those, these are just the name of few of the ladies that we see in the church and uh, that are exercising leadership in the church. So this key silence is a cultural thing. The context must be clarified based on the whole counsel of the scripture. Then also, we must also resolve always to the supremacy of Christ. And I want to remind us of some things about Christianity, and then I want to give us five things that we can deal with to, to engage the spirit of equality through divine entitlement. Christianity is the expression of our devotion to Christ and accepting his principles as standards for living, stress for character, and sources for hope. And when that's not the play, when that's not in place, then everything that is done in the Christian process is distorted. And it's satanic because it's not from Christ. Christ does not condemn. He does not corrupt. He does not control. <laughs> those, are, those are things that he, he doesn't do. And he don't, he don't characterize people based on circumstantial insignificance. How big they are, how small they are, what they look like, the, the eradication of the, of, 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 of the depiction of the Jew and the Gentile and Receiving Christ by faith for salvation was presented as the message of the kingdom of God. That anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Standard for living, strength of character, and a source of hope. And secondly, Christianity demands a cleansed conscience, a cleansing from all worldly perspectives. And this involves how we establish perspectives on gender and sexuality, godly habits. Of establishing relations, of how we establish and, and maintain relationships, and growing generations in light of our of his redemption of his redemptive work. Now, what's happening is we haven't really done the, the regeneration revelation. We don't have a revelation of regeneration because we don't really understand what it means to be reconciled, to be made right with God. First thing God does is changes us through cleansing our conscience from dead ones so that we can serve him in a living way. By a new and living way that he's consecrated through Christ. And that's not corrupt. It's not characterized by circumstantial erroneous things. And, and we need to understand this as Christians if we're going to uphold this, that our identity is shaped in Christ. And, and it forces our perspective to, to be enhanced from how we express ourselves as male and female, how we express our sexuality, how we express godly habits, and how we establish relationships, how we grow the generations in light of the redemptive work through regeneration and reconciliation in Christ. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. That's the same chapter of No No Man After the Flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 15 through 17. He said, that there's no male, no female in Christ. And if you're going to take on that new perspective of newness, you're going to take on that 
um, new perspective to a cleansing of the conscience. And if that's not the case, and you start creating Christian biases, you're missing the plan of God. Thirdly, Christianity can only excel in the power of Christ. And, and in Christ, he eradicates egotism through the fruit of the Spirit. He empowers confidence through the intelligence of the Spirit. And he esteems our inner man through the power of the Spirit. I want you to understand that egotism is eradicated in the Spirit. And I would take time to, you know, deal with the marriages and things like that. There's a lot of things that we're doing in church, and we, we don't know how to translate things, and we're going to give some solutions to that in one second. So I gave you about five examples of women that are in ministry. I gave you three pivotal things that Christianity is to review the core of Christianity. I think these are the controversial scriptures uh, in Corinthians chapter 14 and Timothy chapter 2. Um, that people all engage and overindulge in these in these warped perspectives, so that you can know that these biases require some things in order for us to really grow in our spirit-led uh, endeavors. And the Bible tells us to to endeavor to keep the unity of the faith, right? Now, if we're going to keep this unity, we're going to have to do something. And that is, that is, number one, established equality that is found in Christ. All right, now let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, glory to God. Now, this, is, this is not that hard because if the church don't, don't identify the difference, then what 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 example are we to the world? And and, and of course the bigger picture here is the is the ministry in the ministry of is the reconciliation. We are motivated through the love of Christ to not to not make contradictions uh, according to the flesh. And knowing, therefore, we tear in the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion of glory on our behalf, that you may somewhat have to answer which glory in appearance and not in, in heart. For whether we beside ourselves, it is God, or rather be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we all were dead, were dead. And that he that died for all, they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, too, though we have Christ, uh, have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, behold, all things are new and become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and have given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was, recon- um, that God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though Christ did beseech us by, by us, and we pray you and Christ did be reconciled to God. For he which has made us a sin, who knew no sin, um, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Now, in um, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Ooh, I don't have time to, to really hit everything that I want to hear. I, I want to make certain that we know. Can women lead in the church? Yes, they can. Why? Because the church is led by the Spirit. And whoever the Spirit ignites, can serve in any capacity which the spirit, as long as the spirit sustains it. And if the church could be focused more so on the spirit versus the flesh, they, they will learn what it means to really be the church. Can a woman be a bishop? Absolutely. Because the, the bishop term is subject to the person who is interpreting it. And if you go to a church, it's important that you find out those those structures, so that way you can see that it doesn't conflict with the concepts of the scripture, especially with the new creation mandate that's given to every believer to know if no one after the flesh, but after the spirit. Can uh, are men over women in authority? There's no way in scripture that says that. The the only woman that is subject to the authority of a man is one that she is married to. And, and and if a woman, a young woman, is under the governance of her father, she is subject to him in honor until she is in covenant with another man. Should women keep silent in the church? There's nowhere, there's no scriptures, um, scriptural doctrine that affirms that. Was he preaching doctrine? No, he was correcting conduct. Was a doctrine. <laughs> All right. Um, should um, I said, let's get all the sacred cows out the way. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, a lot of men work for women. They only realize they work for women because a lot of women own things today. And they would not dare go to a president of a CEO company and tell her what she's going to do and why she can't do such and such because she's a woman. That's not what God ever told us to do. And we're not to make uh, these erroneous um, things. Proverbs 31, you can note down. There is nothing there's nothing weak about the woman in Proverbs thirty one. We see she was a businesswoman. She was she was married, she was balanced. And and this woman is rare. She she knew how to sell things. Right? She considered she she was an investor. She worked with a, well with her children. She was she was very involved in society and culture. So nothing wrong with a woman. Is a woman confined to the ways of the home? No. There's no example in scripture where we see any such thing where the household is maintained by a woman. For that matter. If you I mean if you really want to look in the context of the scripture, the man was responsible for the governing of the things of his home. And God would judge him just like he judged Adam. And judge the rest of them for their conduct. All right. So, um, I think I've covered most of the sacred cows, and if not, I'll find another time to destroy it. We've got to get rid of the erroneous concepts 
um, uh, uh, that that are found in this and learn that we are all equal in Christ. And Christ is spiritual. And we and, and the Bible says that the natural man cannot obtain the things obtain the things of God. Neither does he know them because they're spiritually deserving. All right, we have to eliminate biblical literacy, illiteracy, and teach people how to rightly divide the word of truth. It can be wrongly divided. It can be rightly divided. And there are many, there are many contradictions to the, the statements that were read in Corinthians chapter 14 that if you don't read in context, you will seriously distort the, the purity of the worship system. And, of course, in that particular church, if he was correcting the conduct of worship, the, the worship that was taking place in Corinthians should not be carried. All right? So exercising spiritual maturity is the third element of the solution to spirit-led equality because a lot of these things that take, that causes inequality um, is because we don't deal with gender and sexuality, godly habits and established relationships, and growing generations in light of God, Christ. Christ's redemptive work, and the strongest result of redemption is reconciliation, being in right standing with God and right standing with one another. And that means that we have to take time as a church to deal with why we treat people on biases versus biblical standards that are found in God's word. Honoring, um, the, you know, and then also we have to establish relational displacement. Now, that sounds like a big word, but you've got to put things in proper perspective. I, I tell preachers all the time, the church is not a home. Stop treating it like it's your house. You don't control the members of your church. You don't control women or men in your church. You don't control uh, people's affairs, personal affairs. It's a public center, a public place of worship. If you're going to have a facility, it's a public place of worship. Your pastor shouldn't be telling you what clothes to put on. Now, if there's a uniform or standard for the, for the operation of the church, that's a whole other ballgame. But, but, you know, to be in the temporal affairs of people's personal lives, that takes away from the pluralistic worship approach, and, and it makes someone else God beside God. And when, when we have all these things, you know, well, you know, we get these trifling ladies out here talking about, well, oh, a woman can't lead me. That's crazy. Because leadership is an action. It's not a position. It doesn't matter who was given the, the, the task at hand. You see what I'm saying? Because a, a leader gives the task at hand. It leads by being led <laughs> by the task at hand. So it shouldn't matter if it's a male or a female. That, that shouldn't be the basis of leadership structures. And, and, and we have to learn how to establish when you're at home, you're at home. When you're at work, you're at work. When you're at church, you're at church. Amen. And, if, and then once we establish uh, the, uh, and look at the New Testament in light of the redemption, in light of how people worship, we'll see that none of that, those things took place. Matter of fact, when they first tried to select the apostles, they cast lots between Matthias and Mary. And, and there wasn't that much of a difference in, in the vote. She was very close. So she still, she was more noticed than Mary's mother Jesus and noticed more in the Bible than Matthias. Matthias was named in the scriptures, noted as an apostle and noted in Acts when they voted for him. All right? So, um, so those concepts, again, require spiritual maturity, exercising spiritual maturity, eliminating biblical illiteracy, finding equality in Christ, and establishing relational displacement and engaging in real culture 
of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes we need to hear a little different so that we can connect to greater things that go way well beyond our sexual organs. 